Welcome to the Sparaka Manga Review Podcast. Now, my mate Xenia is right up my street. He makes me laugh and lets me know what I shouldn't bother wasting the green stuff on. Like crap manga. You get me? Now, a word of warning for all you ladies out there. This guy will be talking about things that you'll probably only hear in your local. Prison, that is. He will also be throwing the niceties out the window. Meaning, he may start using the words that you were told not to as a nipper. Like shit, fuck, my personal favourite, cock, bastard, wanker, and maybe even arsehole. So please don't let the rallies hear this, especially if the old dear's got a weak heart. She might just flip her top and ask for that Charlie boy to come over and give you a slap. With a fish. So don't lay a brick, right? Anyway, over to the bee's knees himself. I don't think there's anything else I could really say, so listener discretion is advised. What? You suck 37 Mongo! What? Hello and welcome to another edition of Spire Kid Mongo Review. I'm your host, Zan. How are you guys doing today? As you can probably guess, this is the anti-Valentine's Day episode. Pretty much this is not a happy episode with happy, skippy, jumpy things. This is a depressing and depraved episode with horrible, horrific things happening in it. And before we get into that negative shit, let me get through with the positive stuff. Now, First off, before I even get into any of the explanations, I'd like to thank Raziel980, a.k.a. Casey, a.k.a. the Nokia guy. Thanks for that opening promo. It worked out perfectly, and it was awesome. Thank you. It sounds really cool, and I really enjoyed using it. Everyone, if you have a chance and want to send in an opening warning and promo, send it in, sparkin.gmail.com. I'll definitely appreciate it, and it'll definitely be worth it. So now that me promoting Casey is done, let me get into the basic introduction. For those of you who don't know and who are new to the Sparkin Manga Review, so Sparkin is a society that provides information and reviews about manga. Pretty much every episode, I'll review one or two manga, depending on if I have a guest host and or if I'm in the mood for it. And I'll give you some information and just a little bit of tidbits about the manga and if it's worth reading or not. That way you don't go to a bookstore and see a title and say, Hey, this manga looks really cool because the title has girls with big tits or the title has violence on it. Let me read it. And you read it and it sucks. I do all the dirty work for you. I mean, you don't have to listen to me. That's no problem. It's your prerogative. But, you know, just don't send me any real bad flames. If you don't want to fucking listen, that's no fucking problem. Just fucking don't listen and go fuck yourself. No, seriously. 
I don't want to lose all my listeners that way. So just, you know, don't listen. If you like my show, send me emails, props, text messages, follow me on Twitter, play me on Xbox Live, anything you want. Because I know I have more listeners than the ones talking to me. So, you know, just, you know, do whatever. So, anyway, so what is new in the land of Spyrokin or Xanland? Well, not much. You know, sick as a dog, as you could probably hear from the nasally in tone of my voice. But I'm still recording. I may cough a couple of times, but <coughs> I'm trying to hold it in. Which is not good. You're not supposed to hold in the cough. You're actually supposed to release the cough. If you don't, you're going to get sick. But this isn't a medical podcast. This is a manga podcast. And speaking of which, as you heard before, yes, we are back up to an actual set schedule and release day. As opposed to you wondering when the hell I'm going to release the podcast. Like one week I'll release it on a Monday. Next one I'll release it on a Wednesday. And then one week I'll release five episodes in two days. That's not going to happen now. We're back to an actual set schedule. Here's how it works. The new episodes will come out every Wednesday into Thursday. So that'd be Wednesday night or Wednesday in the afternoon, Eastern Standard Time. For those of you who aren't in the country, it'd probably be around Thursday, early Thursday morning. Anyway, so that's when we're going to release our regular episodes. Now, depending on the situation and on the week, we might actually have other episodes. Those will be released on Saturday. A perfect example is... We're having an episode coming up soon on March 6th and 7th. That is going to be the special Watchmen episode. Because Watchmen is a graphic novel, and since a graphic novel is technically manga, and I'm not one of those guys who are like, Hey, manga and graphic novels and comics are different shit, man. They're the same thing. So, as you can guess, I'm going to be reviewing Watchmen, the, the graphic novel, and comparing it to the actual movie, because it's, it's Alan Moore, one of the greatest authors and writers for graphic novels. So, but we're just promoting that now. Anyway, but that episode's going to be on the 6th, and we may have a couple of other supplemental episodes coming out, so those will be on Saturday, but for the most part, most of our episodes will be coming in Wednesday and Thursday. Today's a little late because I had to edit it a little bit further, but besides that, like I said, it's going to be like clockwork, going to be a lot better, and I think that's about it. Uh, what else have I been up to? been playing a lot of GTA 4. <coughs> I'm going to get lost in the damn soon. I've been playing Street Fighter 4. We actually have a review coming out for that. It's a supplemental episode, but that one's going to be freaking such a good fucking game. <coughs> anyway, what else? What else? Um, nothing else is going on real. But what am I saying? You guys don't want to hear about me talk about my life. I mean, this isn't my own personal diary to do that. For that, you could just follow Twitter. Yes, I'm on Twitter under Spyrokin. I have currently 7 followers and following 80 people. Come on, you guys want to hear what I'm doing every day from eating at goes to coughing up a storm to vomiting in a thing and reading various animes and mangas. <coughs> I like that actually reverse that. Anyway, doesn't matter. So, as you know, this week is, like I said, the anti-Valentine's Day episode, so I have some news before we get into the actual review for the very interesting manga. Now, let's get into the news. Let's news, as AWO would say. So, not much happening. Only three big manga-esque news. And yes, I know I'm selling out because I'm looking at certain websites like ANN and AMO and all these other websites to see it. But, you know, what am I going to do? That's the only news you're going to get. Really, the only thing is the first one's kind of weird. It's, um, there's this magazine in Japan called Big Comic Spirits Magazine. And they publish things like 20th Century Boys and stuff like that. And last week, apparently, they actually published a one-shot manga called Azura Cho Yo, or 
Blue Sky Adversary Kiss. Now, the interesting thing about this manga, even though it's not interesting, is that it was credited to Ujiko Ujio. Now, this is a fictional manga creator that doesn't exist in the real world. They're actually characters from the manga 20th Century Boys. So that's kind of trippy and interesting. It's a pretty smart way to do things, you know? Just let's make a fictional character and have him do it. It's a pen name, so it's probably the creator of 20th Century Boys did it. It's just a little nod. Anyway, what else? Next one is that the manga for Oishinbo Cuisine Manga is going back to work. Now, this is a guy who pretty much his name is Tetsu Kariya, and he worked on that manga for 25 years, or 102 volumes, and he took a break last May. And during this break, he decided to draw another manga. That's kind of weird. You, you take a break from drawing manga to draw more manga. That's fucking, but who knows. Anyway, so he took his break, and he's going back in the end of May. That's when he's going to start going back to work. And this manga was picked up by Viz, and so far, I read a little bit into it. Meh, not digging it, but I gotta read further into it. The next one is something I'm actually really happy about. Because a friend of mine asked me about this manga before, and was like, say, Hey, you know where you can get this? And I thought Viz and ADV Manga released it. But, no. Okay, now, the New York publisher Udon Entertainment is releasing Silent Mobius The Complete Edition. Which, if you remember from the Viz Complete Editions, it's the first three mangas in one big book. So that's kind of cool. It's going to be all of it in English, and there are going to be three volumes that are going to be published, which are kind of cool. And um, it's, uh, for those of you who don't know, Silent Mobius was created by uh, Kia Asamiya. This person did Nadesco, the Star Wars manga, X Men manga, the Batman manga. A lot of covers did Dark Angel and also did one of my favorite series, Steam Detectives. And now this is going to be a 15 volume series, which is coming out of Japan. We're going to get 12 volumes. So that's kind of cool. If you have a chance to see this series, it's very cool, a little bit trippy. It's like police versus demons, and the unit's all women, and they're Lucifer Hawks and shit like that. I'll review it eventually. <coughs> I tried to hold it in. Sorry. Um, there are two movies that are released by Steamline Pictures, for those of you who don't know, and that was the worst dubbing company ever. Yep. Uh, any other news? Nothing much. However, we have an email. Yes, an email. The E to the mails. And it's actually, someone wrote us a review. It's kind of interesting. Let me read this review. Now, Spyrokin is a podcast that contains the Zan, a lot of manga, Laughs, news, and the amazing Wheel of Manga! Yay! It's a wealth of information about a variety of manga types. Unlike some podcasters who will not read anything out of their box, Zan is willing to try his hand at anything. I've learned more about good manga from Zan than any podcaster. Sorry, Fight Bay and AWO, anime's more your thing. Spyrokin is also one of the very few podcasts that actually gives you some sort of rare but interesting news. I can't stand it when people stand forever on listing all the releases rather than just reviewing it. I've heard people moan about the music and sound quality of these episodes. I think you're being downright fussy. The quality of the earlier episodes have improved after Zan re-released them. If you want to moan, at least identify which episodes, times, and a good reason. I like the variation of intro-outro music Zan uses. It's something to look forward to. Podcasting is not easy. I just started doing my own show. I say, go Zan, for managing to make 33 quality, informative, and fantastic episodes for the whole internet to enjoy. Well, I've run out of things to say, 
So this is saying, Ruby-san, bye. Pretty cool review. Um, it's actually, I mean, it's 33 and it's 37, so four episodes behind, but still, really well done. And just kudos to you, Ruby. Kudos. You know, I'm definitely, I know, found her podcast. It's Ruby Hikari. Rubari. Uh, it's pretty good. Gotta listen to it further to hear a little more about it, but check it out. It's on, I think, rubihari.podbean.com, maybe? Not entirely sure. I must leave a review for it out. So, what else? What else is, um... Besides that, I think that's about it, really. Well, you know, we could talk about the sexy time in anime and manga, but we're not going to, because this is not a romance manga episode. This is the emo, angry, hateful, I hate all manga that is happy and cute episode. So... What are we reviewing for this episode? For those of you who remember from the last episode of the Spyrokin Manga Review, I spun the Wheel of Manga. And I got an interesting and very unique manga. Monster! <laughs> now, Monster is a manga which was created by Naoki Urasawa. It originally was published by Shogakuken, and it was it's currently being released. At, well, it's done. It was released by Viz Media under their signature line. Uh, came out December 1994 to December 2001. There are 18 volumes. There's a TV anime series with 74 episodes. There's actually a live-action movie coming out at the end of the year, supposedly. It's currently being written by Joss Olsen, and it's being released by New Line Cinema, so it should be good, theoretically. And it's a Senin psychological horror detective fiction type story. Now, it really doesn't explain, okay... Psychological thing about a monster. <laughs> now, first off, the design of the Taco Bon. It says monster with a sword under the T. It's instead of the T. And uh, <coughs> it's white with blood stains. And it has text on it. And so, now, what is monster about? Now, monster for first thing which is interesting is it doesn't even take place in Japan, yet the main character is, of course, a Japanese man. This takes place in Dusseldorf, West Germany, 1986. Now, that's actually what it says on the cover. It says, Dusseldorf, West Germany, 1986. One day, Dr. Kenzo Tenma ignored his boss's orders and executed humanitarian rescue of man's child. That's how this horrible story begins. Now, first off, for those of you who don't know, here's a little social sociology lesson, or, no, sorry, um, social science lesson. For those of you who don't know, Germany, after World War II, was split into two halves, West Germany and East Germany, with the, the Berlin Wall splitting Germany in half. In the 80s, they took down the wall. It was actually a very powerful period in time. But, anyway, so it was split in half. The western half was the more democratic, relaxed side. The East half was more socialist and angry and just, you know, <coughs> more, uh, well, I can't really say they were horrible, because they weren't horrible people, it was just that, you know, it was considered a much more dangerous place to live in, in East Germany than West Germany. So, anyway, in West Germany, in the Eisler Memorial Hospital, there's a young Japanese doctor named Dr. Kenzo Tenma. Now, he is this really accomplished brain surgeon who 
his life's going pretty good for himself. I mean, he's in the run to become head of surgery, which is, like, one of the highest positions you could have for a surgeon. You know, the director loves him, and, uh... The director, Dr. Heinemann, is having him work on a thesis. Well, actually, Dr. Tenma's working on the thesis, but, of course, the director's like, eh, we'll work on it, and then let me look it in, I could show it, and then things will work out. And also, Dr. Heinemann's daughter, Eva, loves Tenma, and they're going to get married. And this is where things get a little weird, because Dr. Tenma is this great surgeon, but shit is kind of not right in Dusseldorf, to kind of paraphrase a Shakespeare quote. This hospital's kind of fucked up. I'm not going to lie, because the whole thing opens up where he's doing surgery on this opera singer, and he fixes the opera singer's throat. It's perfect success. Meanwhile, there's another surgery going on at the same time on this uh, Turkish worker, and the Turkish worker actually, well... The Turkish worker died, and the the wife of the worker and his child are distraught. Like, what'd you do? Why did this happen? My husband came here first before that singer. Why was he operated on? Why? What'd you do to my husband? Where is he? Freaking out about this, and this weighs on Doctor Tenma's heart because you know it's kind of what the fuck happened. I mean, did he do the right thing? I mean, as he's having this moral conflict of. Why did he let the man who came second, he did surgery? Because he was prepping to do surgery for the worker, but they said, no, 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 we need you to work on this guy. Because this guy will give us more notoriety. And this is when you see that the... That they're... That the people around him are horrible people. I mean, first off, he confides to his fiance Ava. He's like, I don't know, I just feel really bad about this. And she's like, well, just suck it up. I mean, every person has a different value. Every person's life has a different value, which is like, what? I, you know, he's like, I thought all people had, all life was, was the same. He's like, no, some people were worth more than others. And of course, he talks to the director, and he's like, well, don't worry, you're going to be fine. You know, we're going to have you work here, we're going to have you do awesome things, you're going to become the head of surgery, you're going to marry my daughter, and just, as long as you keep your, your nose to the grind and do what you want to do, everything will be fine for you. And he's like, so what's your thesis on? He's like, well, I just it's almost done. My thesis is on uh, uh, the, pro- the properties of neurosurgery or some crap like that. I really wasn't paying attention. To, but he's writing this really great thesis that actually could save millions of lives. And the director's like, no, no, no. I need you to, to work on it. Instead of that, do it on this topic. And yes, and remember, give it to me. It'll be all right, you know, because you're not ready to have people take your work seriously, but they'll take me seriously. Something I notice is that everyone in this hospital, except for Dr. Tenma and some of the nurses, are corrupt as shit. They're all fucking really corrupt. So, one of the subplots at this point is that you find out that there's this family that moved in from <coughs> from East Germany into West Germany, the Lieberts, which is a father, a mother, and two twins, Johan and Anna. They move there. This is where things get interesting. So, there's a strange massacre that occurs, and where, you know, the, the kids are wheeled in, and, oh my god, there is a, a murder, oh my god. Turns out that somebody shot both the Lieberts, and shot Johan right in the middle of his head. 
and Anna is catatonic. She is not talking, not, you know, she's just, she's not even, she's just comatose. Like, she's just completely in shock. She's not doing anything. And so, he's ready, you know, and she's muttering to herself about killings and whatnot. And so, Tenma decides to, you know, he's like, okay, we gotta get ready. This is a chance. We could save him. I could save this kid, you know, because the bullet's right between the two lobes. It'll be simple. I mean, there may be some little thing, but it won't be that bad, okay? So, he goes. He's getting ready for surgery. He's prepping. And suddenly, the ambulance comes again. And, oh, God, it's the mayor. The mayor had a heart attack. No, not heart attack. He had a brain clot, and something's wrong. He's having a stroke. We got to get the brain clot done, and they can save him. And as he's getting ready to go into the kids to operate on the child, this 10-year-old boy, the director's like, uh, Dr. Tenma, you're going the wrong way. What? We need you to work on the mayor because the mayor is passing a bill to give us more money. So, of course, we got to take care of him. You know, don't worry about the kid. The kid will be fine. We'll give him to this lesser-known doctor. He'll be safe. And as we remember from earlier, this lesser doctor killed the other person. So, you know, he's like, look, Dr. Tenma, we need this money. You got to work on it. And so he's like, you know what? I'm needing surgery. I can't do this right now. He'll be fine to work on the mayor. I got to save this kid. Because, you know, it's doing the right thing. You know, he's doing the the thing which is morally right. I mean, you know, I mean, yes, he's kind of con- he's kind of condemning the mayor, but he's also saying, you know, this kid, it's a kid. He has his whole life ahead of him. I'm not going to ruin it because of it. So, he goes, and he saves the kid. And Johan, the boy, is saved. And, of course, as we can guess, the politician dies. And everyone's distraught about this and you know the director's like it's okay we could salvage this the boy survived don't worry about it so the next day there's a big company dinner and they they're gonna reveal the name of the new head of the head of surgery it's this completely unknown guy and of course the director's like yeah well pretty much you're done yeah you work for us now I mean you gave it all up you saved this boy yes but you gave up everything you stuck to your gun, so pretty much, we're not firing you, but if you leave this hospital, you're not getting any credentials. We're not giving you a letter of recommendation. It'll be like you started from scratch. And, you know, as he's leaving, because he's lost his, pretty much he's lost his job. He's been demoted. He sees Ava walking through the door, and he's like, Ava! And she walks right past him to the new head of surgery and starts talking to him. And it's like, what? So, pretty much, because of this, Tenma, he's lost all of his social standings, he's lost everything, and things are kind of shitty. And as he's depressed, he has nothing left, you know, he just has Tenma. You know, Tenma just has himself, and, you know, the, the all the patients love him, he's a good doctor, He does. he's good at what he does. So he's just working through the grind, and Johan still hasn't woken up. He's very depressed about it, and, you know. And they say, look, uh, you're no longer Johan's doctor. We're giving it to the new guy. And so, he goes to see Johan on his day off, and he's just like, this isn't fair. I did the right thing. It's just not fair. I, I worked hard. I did this. I know I was right. I know I didn't screw up. This isn't fair. It's like they just want to be 
horrible people. Just I wish that they I wish that they were dead. And meanwhile, the director and his cronies have decided, yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna you know, we're gonna use this to our advantage, you know. We'll we'll have pictures of the brother and sister when he wakes up together and he'll be happy and nice. And when the sister sees the brother, she starts screaming fanatically. Just starts screaming. They have to separate her. And it turns out, well, one thing leads to another, which I'm not going to reveal. And, well, mysteriously, the head doctor, Dr. Heinemann, and all, like, ten other doctors are all mysteriously murdered, and both kids disappear. It's just they're gone. What happened? Introduce the foil of the thing. Inspector Heinrich Runge, or Lunge. Pretty much Inspector Lunge is this guy who was, you know, he's assigned to the murder case and he thinks that Dr. Tenma is going to be the first, you know, he had a motive and he's the first, you know, the main suspect. And this guy's kind of weird. He has kind of like the Spock-like thin eyebrows and a big long nose. And the thing which is creepy about him is he has this tick that... He has this great memory, and what he does is his hand, he, like, types on his pants. He's like, I'm in putting data into my head. And he seems very emotionless, and he's kind of screwed up. You know, he's kind of, uh, like, if you remember The Fugitive, he's like, uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character, like, where he's very pursuing and strange. And so, anyway, as he's investigating, the board of directors goes to Dr. Ten when he's like, and they're like, listen, Doctor Tenma. Most of you know, you're the you're the you're currently seniority of all the other doctors. You're most talented doctor, so you're now chief of surgery. So things are looking up for him. So now, ten years later go by, and Tenma's been doing good, and you know things are going good for him. He's head of surgery. Ava's been talking to him, trying to get back together with him, and he's kind of been like. I can't do this, you know, because he, he loved her, and she kind of betrayed him, and, get, and, you know, gave him back his ring, and he's not being mean about it, it's just like, you know, he's hurt, he can't do anything, so, during this time, this known criminal gets, you know, he's pulled in the hospital, he was hit by a car, and he's babbling about a monster, he's, you know, and the police show up, of course, Inspector Rouge shows up and he's interrogating this guy and he's, you know, interrogating the criminal, trying to figure out what happened, why he killed those two people, how he broke into the house. <coughs> and, of course, when he sees Dr. Tenma, he's like, Oh, Dr. Tenma, how are you doing today? And he recites exactly what Dr. Tenma told him. He's like, I'm still working on that case, by the way. We're still working on it. We'll see if we can get that murder mystery solved. So, even after nine years, this guy still thinks that Dr. Tenma is the murderer of the of Dr. Heinemann and the four other doctors who got murdered. And so, anyway. So, Dr. Tenma, being his typical charming self, he just is nice to this criminal who's been injured. And he's like, just trying to talk to him. And the criminal, you know, this guy starts just talking about how, you know, he didn't want to become a criminal, how he just wanted to clock. He saw this clock and he wanted it. He didn't have the money for it, so he bought it. He stole it. And, you know, as they're talking, he says, if you tell the police what you told me about this monster and things, how this guy hired you, things will get better and they won't, you know, you might get leniency. So, you know, next morning, night, 
he's hanging out with his friend, this guy who's kind of this creepy ex-doctor douchebag guy who's like kind of like the sleazy, you know, the sleazy guy you know at work who's kind of doesn't do shit, but he's just there. Who's your friend, but he's kind of creepy. So anyway, he's hanging out with this guy because he wants to set him up on a hot date. And Dr. Tenma sees a clock at the window. He's like, wait, I should get this as a gift for that guy. I'll make him feel better. So he goes to get the, the clock and goes back to the, you know, he goes to the guy's room. He finds the cop in front of the room dead. And the guy's gone. He's like, what the hell? Where'd this guy go? And immediately he hears a scream. He's like, where'd that scream come from? And then he sees that there's part of the hospital they're doing construction work conveniently. So he runs over there and as they're, as he's running after this guy, he sees the guy on the ground, the, the criminal on the ground. He's like, wait, let me help you. And the guy's screaming, don't get any closer. Run away. Just leave. And as Tenma gets, Tenma gets closer, he sees that there's a guy in the shadows holding a gun at the criminal, going to kill him. And as he's sitting there, he's saying, don't kill him, don't kill him. And of course, the guy in the shadows shoots the guy, the criminal and kills him. And as he walks out of the shadows, he's like, hello, Dr. Tenma, it's been quite some time. Guess who it is, folks? <coughs> yep. It's Johann Liebert, back from the dead. Now, as he sees Johann, he's trying to talk him, you know, talk him down, talk him, you know, to just be a good person. And, you know, not to kill the guy. He shot him, and then as he points the gun at the doctor, he's like, I won't kill you because you saved my life. And, you know, I see you as the only father figure in my life. And he just walks off into the night afterwards and Tenma's just completely shocked so next day the cops show up and of course Inspector Luge thinks that he tells Inspector Luge the whole thing and he's like nope you're lying there's no you know this mysterious boy you made up yourself and he's like he doesn't exist and you know he thinks he's he does he's like, well don't leave the area anytime soon. And this ends up to the beginning of a long chase because as you could probably guess, Dr. Tenma quits his job and starts chasing after Johan to try and stop him from his great and all powerful craziness. I mean This begins a long and just very dark story and I really want to get further into this and do a full explanation but I'm not going to because you know the whole story is based on Tenma's him searching for Johan and Inspector Lunge trying to investigate Johan's various murder and pitting them all on Tenma and then you have the fact that Anna Liebert, who's now known as Nina Forrester, is introduced, and she doesn't remember her brother, and then she finds out about her brother, and she wants to kill her brother. <gasps> and all these characters who are just shaped, and just... Everything that Johan does is he fucks with people and makes them worse <coughs> than what they are, and just, you know... Because Johan is... He's the monster of the story, and he's this... You know, people call him the devil... He's been compared to Adolf Hitler. 
and you know he has like 30 aliases he's very charismatic and he's just very manipulative like he's able to just there's one guy who helped him out and he was able to get him to kill himself so he wouldn't tell him and his he's very indifferent and just I can't even describe how evil this character is he's just like a very cruel and horrible you know he's just this uh, I can't even say it um, a lot of the supporting characters are pretty interesting and Dr. Tenma you see him digress from this very humanitarian-esque doctor into this just he wants to find Johan and kill him and the thing is like a lot of the other people try to stop him all the time like you know Nina Kat says you can't kill him you have to be a good person and Johan even gives him points for, like you could kill me or you could save this person and Tenma even though he wants revenge not revenge but he wants to stop this monster that he saved that he should have let die he does the right thing and will save the other person because that's the whole thing it's just the weight of, the, of his conscience on if he had let this boy die all this stuff wouldn't have happened to him I mean there are other things too like Ava has a whole now fixation on Tenman wants to see him suffer for leaving her alone because she's you know just now a drunk alcoholic and stuff I mean what is it there's my favorite character is actually this one guy he's this freelance journalist uh, Wolfgang Greiber he's actually this he's like a spy and very thin and creepy but he has this whole thing where whenever he gets really really um, you know he has this deal where he's very smiling and happy all the time I mean there's reasons for which I'm not gonna describe but you know every time he gets really aggressive and he's getting hurt or something this you know he blacks out and when he wakes up there's blood everywhere and he's covered in blood and he says like he's protected by this like amazing incredible Hulk type character who he named the Magnificent Steiner so it's like if he's ever in trouble he becomes a Magnificent Steiner and kills everybody he's kinda cool um but he's the guy you first find out a little bit more about um, Johan's past because Johan is this spoilers people but he actually was this test subject for this thing called Kinder Kinderheim 511 which was this orphanage from East Germany which was trying to create perfect soldiers through psychological reprogramming and it was this like eugenics experiment and you know it shaped Johan to what it is. It also Greemer was a member of this thing, <coughs> and he also has like that's what the magnificent Steiner thing is. That's his 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 clique. So it's pretty. It's a very compelling and unique story. I actually banged through the whole thing in two days. I went to my bookstore and read all eighteen. I was just like sitting in the thing, read all of it. 9 in the morning to freaking 9 at night. I stayed in the place. It was They kind of thought I was weird, but I was like, yeah, are you going to buy anything? No, I'm just reading. Okay. But one thing which I thought was... It's another plot I'm going to kind of spoil it, but there's a whole thing where there's this other character who... You know, there's this author who's like a big part of the story later on, and he writes all these books which kind of affect all the characters. And, you know... Of course, it's like it's everything's connected. 
But this one book, which actually kind of it personifies Johan, called The Monster with No Name, is this just... Or The Nameless Monster is just this... It explains Johan perfectly. It's just like, you know, he's just trying to exist without anyone knowing his name and stuff. And I know it made no sense in my statement, but what can I say? <coughs> so, art style is very unique. All the characters for each country are drawn differently. A lot of multiple languages are used. You know, you see a lot of uh, German, like Der Ver the Geist, Der Werden, Der Munster, things like that. You see a lot of Italians drawings. You see a lot of unique scenery. It's very well done. Very artistic and you know, very compelling to look at. Just examining some of the scenes and also the scenes with the cartoons are done from the children's books written by that doctor that doctor slash author I told you about all those pictures look very childish and they fit everything fits together nicely I mean even the thing with the magnificent Steiner duh, 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 that looks very that's drawn very well art why not art the story itself is it's addictive and you want to know what happens some parts of it do drag but it's it has a nice pace to it and you follow it along and I'll give you my rating of this manga after this very quick promotion there's a new anime podcast in town Yep, Fight Bait Anime Podcast, which now does movies and video games and other things. Definitely worth checking out, and also check out their forums, fightbait.com forward slash forums. Or, you know. So, for Monster, <coughs> I have to give it really, really, really fucking cool. If you don't buy this now, your brain will freeze, your eyes will break out, and your soul will be forfeit to the great Soma Gustar. I know I've been giving this rating a lot, but... This was a very compelling story. And here's the interesting thing. If you have a friend who doesn't like manga because it's all about giant robots and laughing, stupid sex comedies and explosions, show them this. They will change their mind completely. This is a perfect thriller. And the fact that they're making a live-action movie of it, that's really cool. It's worth checking out. It's really trippy at times and it takes you places you don't expect. There's a lot of little mysteries that don't get wrapped up till the very end that think you're going one direction it goes a completely opposite direction with lots of twists. The only thing I didn't like about it though was well like I said it the pacing was at times a little weird but the thing I didn't like was I didn't like Inspector Runge's obsession with the character. I mean it made him a more compelling villain, quote-unquote. Because he wasn't really a villain, he was just a cop doing his job. But he just... <coughs> I thought it was such a douchebag. Because he was like... You know, he's following things up. And then he's like... It's like, oh, here's positive proof that uh, Dr. Tenma's easy. Uh, not easy. That Dr. Tenma is... Uh, sorry, meds are making me all crazy. I apologize. But Dr. Tenma is innocent. Oh, really? 
Okay. He takes the thing, throws it away. He's like, okay, Dr. Tenma's the one who killed these people who are right here. Okay, let's call the police on him. You know, he just is so obsessed with proving Dr. Tenmo that he was evil, that he sacrifices everything. I mean, at the end, he changed his mind, but for most of it, he's like, I, you know, Johan doesn't exist. He's just Dr. Tenma's figment. I'm going to kill Dr. Tenma and make him pay for all the things he's done, because he's evil. Yeah. And the, and, the, and the whole Vulcan Spock thing kind of freaked me out. His whole finger-tapping thing just kind of made me... Bleh. Like I said, I like Grimer because he was an interesting character. And Dr. Tenma's a very cool character. Johan as a villain was just very shocking and very cruel. He's one of those characters that just... Uh, he, was, he unnerved me at times. Like, some of the stuff he did, you're just like, Oh my god, he's a fucking monster. But that's what he's supposed to be. A lot of intrigue with neo-Nazis and other things, so, you know, some stuff is, might be hard to read, but check it out, it's worth it. If you're under 18, as usual, this might not be for you, well, it probably isn't for you, but, you know, check it out, well, don't check it out, you parents will go crazy and say, I told you to read it, and they're going to be mad, so, <coughs> anyway, so, yeah, so another really, really, really fucking cool that's probably going to mean that my next six are going to be horrible. Probably. So, uh, well, so anything else new? Oh, yes, we have, uh, as usual, our contest. The first one is our new promo. For those of you who don't know, design a promo for Spark and Mong Review. The only one we have right now is the one with Mason, which is kind of getting old, so it's got to be under 40 seconds. Send me an email, sparkheadgmail.com with the MP3, and I might use it if it's good. That's one second one design a warning for the Spark and Manga review just like Casey did in this episode just pretty much set up an opening which sounds really cool that has something to do with the manga I'm reviewing for the next episode you'll have a week in between each episode so that's pretty cool and I'll use your use your thing and uh, I'll use your mp3 if it's good and I'll give you props for it uh, the other one is pretty interesting it's design a Wheel of Manga list. That one is self-explanatory. Just take 10 titles from the Wheel of Manga I haven't reviewed already and let it go. Use it as, you know, send me the list. I might use it. And then the final one. This is a new one. This one a lot of people are going to be really wanting to do. So I'll tell you now. Now for those who don't know, at the end of every episode, we have a very important part of the segment of the show. The Wheel of Manga, which I'll get into in a little bit. So... <laughs> Very simple. As you know, my voice is kind of shot right now, so we're going to need a new, or possibly I might need a true voice of the Wheel of Manga. So, if you can record yourself saying the Wheel of Manga plus the stats about it, the explanation of what the Wheel of Manga does, the best one, I'll actually have a contest, I'll actually put the best ten on an episode, and people will vote for the best one, and the winner will become the voice of... The one, the only, the Wheel of Manga! Yes, friends, the Wheel of Manga, except no substitute. So, yes. So, get them cracking. And remember, you can send those emails to spirekin at gmail.com, zan.spirekin at gmail.com, or you can just send a comment at spirekin.podb.com, myspace.com, forward slash spirekin, or on the spirekin 
form, spirekin.rapaport.com. Also, I have a Twitter, Spirekin, and if you look on Xbox Live and Gamer Tags, Zan, X-A-N, space, S-P-I-R-A-K-E-N. And the last one, if you just don't want to record it, you just want an easier way to do it, just call our voicemail, 206-426-6665. That again, 206-426-MONK, and just blast it out. That's all you got to do. Very easy. Just call a number, say the Wheel of Manga in such a gr- great way, and do the spiel. And if you get it, I'll use it. So, with that out of the way, of course, like I said, it's that time of the episode for what I'm going to review for the next episode with the one, the only, the Wheel of Manga! Yes, friends, the Wheel of Manga. I said no substitute. And for those of you who don't know, with the Wheel of Manga, pretty much what I've done is, out of the list of over 1,000 titles, I've chosen 10 that I've not used at random and apply them to the Wheel of Manga. And now I'm going to spin the Wheel of Manga. Whatever number it lands on, that's what I'll review for the next episode next Wednesday on the Spyrokin Manga View. So let us rock and roll! Number 7, Worst. Hmm, never heard of it. So, for the next episode of the Spyrokin Manga View, I'll be reviewing Worst. That should be pretty cool. Last thing I gotta say before anything else is that anyone who downloaded the original 10 first episodes, you have to delete them and re-download the new episodes. They'll be up probably by next week. I'm gonna be posting them with new audio, better sound. That way you don't have to say, oh, they suck and sound shitty. And for those of you who are on iTunes and have noticed the first 14 aren't showing up, it's not just you. It sums up with iTunes. They're not listening to a word I'm fucking saying. So email them. Ask them what the deal is. We'll see what happens so I can get more episodes up. And you can hear some of the older and funnier stuff. Especially with me and Mason. It worked a lot better than just me talking to myself. Because I'm not a very interesting conversationalist. So I'm like, no I'm not. Shut up. Anyway. Well. So I guess I think that's it. I really have to cough and I'm holding it in. So let me finish this really quick with. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I love doing it. I love doing this show, and I hope you guys keep listening. Thank you for thank you for all your patronage, and thank you for downloading the episodes. Continue to do so. Tell your friends about this show. And as usual, I'm your host, Zan. Thanks for listening. See you next week, and I'm Gonsville. And slowly you come to realize It's all as it You can only do so much If you're game enough You could place your trust in me For the love of life There's a trade-off We could lose it all But we'll go down fighting 
What of the children? Down, but we'll go down fighting. 